So I told you, today's going to be entirely different. I'm going to do uh, part one of the not-so-sermon now. But if you're keeping track, this is the part where I talk, but not for very long. Because I want you to get involved in preaching the sermon today. As we take the Lord's Supper this morning, Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians that, that whenever you do this in remembrance of Him, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We've been in a series we've called Soul Care 2.0. We're reminding ourselves that every single day, every breath I take, really, is an invitation to live as if all of my life depends on Jesus. Every aspect of it depends on Jesus. To live as if every single day depends on Jesus because it does we began really at Easter talking about grace love how those things change us from the inside out and from there we began to talk about some inner disciplines contentment gratitude from there we've made our way to a place where we confess our weakness. Well, we revel not in we've got it all together, but in complete spiritual honesty, where we stop pretending and we come face to face with Jesus as he really is, in all of his love, in all of his mercy, all of his compassion, and all of his grace. From there, we talked about habits of dependency right? Being in the word, staying in the vine. We've talked about prayer and communicating with the Lord. We've talked about habits that begin to move from inside to outside, slowing and serving, even Sabbathing. So here we are, and we're actually at a moment where I, I'm just going to call it halftime. <laughs> Not in the series necessarily, but in the year. I don't know if you noticed, but we just moved from we move, well, we moved from winter to summer. It happened in like a day. We've now had the longest day of the year. We're in the summer season. In fact, we know that because there's a bunch of people who aren't here, right? We have a lot of people out traveling this weekend. Maybe some of whom are watching online. That's great if you are. If you got internet at your campsite and you're worshiping with us, that's good stuff. So here we are in the second half of 2022, and for good or for bad, half the year is behind us. But I always think that halftime is a good time to think a little more deeply. I mean, we think about football games, right? What do you do at halftime? You think about what went wrong. You think about what went right. You think about restarting some things. You think about shifting what needs to shift on the inside and on the outside. And as we reflect today on this moment of halftime, as you look back on your soul for the first six months of the year and think about what you want your soul, your walk with Jesus to look like for the next six months of the year, I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember grace. And I want you to remember that everything proceeds from this, that I am a child of the Almighty. You might know the story, you might not, but we find at least one of the tellings of this story in Matthew chapter 26, and I want to read it for you. Matthew chapter 26, I'll start, let's start verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now, the Passover was an elaborate ceremony, and we're not really going to celebrate the Passover per se, but in some sense we are, because in the blood of Jesus, the angel of death passes over us as well. But the Passover was a ceremony with a lot of elements. There was wine. This is grape juice. 
There was bread. There was various other things. And, and we're not celebrating just that today. We're celebrating communion, the Lord's Supper, right? The body and the blood of Jesus, the body broken for us, the blood spilled for us. But I have some other elements around you today. There's a candle. There's a little box of spices. And I'm going to walk you through a, another Jewish ceremony by the time we're done today. Just keep that in mind about why there's a candle and why there's a box and why there's so much grape juice. Where's those little cups? <laughs> Jesus replied, I want you to go into the city to a certain man, and I want you to tell him that the teacher says, my appointed time is near, that I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. And so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. And when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said to them, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad. And they began to say to him, one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Which might just a little bit remind you that each of them was in tune enough spiritually honest enough to hope that it wasn't them, but to realize how many times perhaps they had. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me, and the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man that betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus has answered, You've said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to disciples, to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they'd sung a hymn, they went out, it says, to the Mount of Olives. And so on the tables around you, you would notice there's a plate with unleavened breads, matzo breads. It looks like saltines. It's not. Unleavened bread. And you would notice on the table around you that there's a, a carafe of the fruit of the vine. Again, we're serving grape juice. We don't want to take anybody down a path that's not healthy for them. Don't get me started, though. It, Jesus didn't drink grape juice. Mm -hmm. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment. And I want you to pass the little plate with the crackers around your table. And one might pass it to everyone, or you might just pass it all the way around the table. But I want you to take the bread... And it says he took it and he broke it, so I want you to break it. And it's going to crumble everywhere. <laughs> and as you evaluate your life, your soul, the condition of your soul, I want you to remember grace broken for you. Because none of us come deserving this breaking. None of us come, none of them came deserving this breaking. Deep in your soul, I want you to thank Jesus. So I'm going to give you maybe 20 seconds to pray on your own.
thank him for what he's done for you. And then I'm going to pray, and then we'll take this together. Jesus, we thank you that we don't come because we're worthy. We come because we're not. And we recognize that there is nothing we have done to make us good enough for this or religious enough for this or that in, in spite of the wrong things we've done. In fact, because of the wrong things we've done. Your body was broken for us and you died for our sins. For the forgiveness of many. So Jesus, we remember you. We take and we eat. We take that which we don't deserve. And we thank you that you loved us enough to do this anyway. Thank you for laying down your life, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. So this may be the moment where someone here says, wait, I don't know if this feels right for me, I'm not a Christian. Or I don't know if this feels right for me because at least not yet I'm a Christian. And there's a whole discussion in the spiritual realm, in the Christian community, about whether non-Christians should take or not take. Whether we should drink worthily or unworthily. In a lot of senses, we all take and eat and drink unworthily. But today would be a beautiful day to say, hey, I need this guy, Jesus. I need the forgiveness of my many sins. And if that's you, I mean, I, I typically end our sermons. Again, we're doing everything out of order today. I typically end my sermons with two prayers, and one of those is a prayer of salvation. But what if we did the prayer of salvation right here, right now at the table? Maybe I should have had you guys go down. I said this was going to be short, but I told you I wasn't worried about time either. And I've only got one cup up here. I don't know if that's communal or... We can get some cups from these tables. Straws. Straws. A bunch of straws, yeah. I'm sure it's been done before in some youth group setting. So what if we prayed the prayer of salvation right here, right now? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? If you need Jesus today, then I just want you to recognize that it's not about being good enough. It's not about being religious. In fact, it's specifically not about those things. It's about having a relationship with God based on what he has done. That when he died on the cross, his body was broken for us. That when he died on the cross, his blood was spilled for us. And so if you need Jesus today, he's not a dead Jesus. They took that broken, spilled out body they laid him in a tomb, put the stone over it, and, and basically said good riddance to Jesus. But it's not good riddance. Because on the third day, he's alive. Mm -hmm. And witness after witness after witness saw him. He's alive. And if you need Jesus today, maybe you'd pray with me just like this, dear Jesus. I don't deserve your forgiveness, but I humbly ask for it. And I turn to you and I ask you to take my life. I ask you to take over my life. Be my God. Jesus, I put my faith in you. <clears throat> I 
I ask you to be God of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer. There's, there's nothing mechanical about it. There's nothing like magic in the actual words. It's about turning to Jesus with a heart that says, I don't deserve you, but I thank you that you died for me. And I ask you to take over me. Take over my sins. Take over my life. And a lot of you prayed that prayer a long time ago. And I'm going to save the prayer for, of application for the end today. But a lot of you prayed that a long time ago. And so I want you to take the cup, except in this case, you're going to have to take your cup and you're going to have to fill the cups around you. And I want you to give a, a, a pretty good amount of juice. And when we drink it, I don't want you to drink all of it. I want you to leave some in the cup because we're going to do a second little thing in a bit and you'll need more juice. That, does that make sense? So as you guys pass those around, I have a little of the blood of Jesus on my hands. There's a couple of spots in my Bible where there's some in my Bible. This would not be new. That's what jeans are for. That's what jeans. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did when I was a kid, right? So I want you to take the fruit of the vine. And I want you to take, again, maybe 20 seconds. I want you to think and pray about the half a year we've spent and the half of year to, to come and let grace wash over both. Jesus, again, we remember. We remember your body was broken for us, and we remember your blood was spilled from us, for us. We remember that in the shedding of blood there is forgiveness of sins. And we remember that it is your blood, not ours. And so as we look back at the last year and we think about the year ahead, we ask that you would wash over us in grace. And we ask that your grace would begin to not only, not only wash over our lives, but spill from our lives so much so that it would spill out of us daily in these months to come. We thank you for your blood. We worship you. And we remember. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now again, I want you to save some. But I want you to do more than, I want you to drink a little more than the thimble. Because the Christian thimble is about speed. It's about how to serve as many as quickly as possible. Organized by great deacons who go row by row, but you know. <laughs> Nothing in this is about speed. It's just about grace.
Jesus, again, we thank you for your body and your blood. We're going to sing some more. And then we're going to come back and worship some more. Really, we're worshiping all the way through. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you wash over us. We pray that you would spill over from us in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So this next song is new. We have not sung it here before. Um, but if you know it, sing along. If you don't know it, just don't zone out. Make sure you're soaking in the words and worshiping through the words as you listen. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of
familiar with, but I'm glad we're learning it. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to worship the Lord, not only in song, but in the supper, in his word. And I think in the discussion we're going to have today, and again, you're going to do some of the preaching to each other today. It's just going to take place at your tables, but let me set it up. As we think about half the year behind us, half the year ahead of us, as we think about the awful things that overwhelm us from behind, and we think about the fears that may be out there about what's ahead, I want us again to judge ourselves, to evaluate our lives, not just through our own eyes, but by seeing things from Jesus' perspective. There's a story, I'm pretty sure it's made up. That's okay, we tell made up stories. The imagination is good. That there was a man who was sleeping one night in his cabin when suddenly his room was filled with light and the Savior appeared to him and the Lord told the man that he had work for him to do and the Lord showed showed him a large, just ginormous rock in front of his cabin and the Lord explained to the man that he was to push against the rock with all his might. And the man took the Lord seriously. And so the next day, he pushed against the rock. And the day after that, he pushed against the rock. And day after day and month after month went by. And every day the man would push against the rock. For many years he toiled from sun up to sun down. His shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock, pushing with all his might. And each night, the man returned to his cabin sore, muscles feeling the work of the day, but his heart feeling like the whole day had been spent in vain. And seeing that the man was discouraged, the thief who only comes to steal and kill and destroy entered the conversation. And the enemy place thoughts in the man's mind. You've been pushing against the rock for a long time. It hasn't budged. You're never going to move this. I mean, what's the point of trying so hard? What's the point of doing it at all? You're a failure. And the man, discouraged and disheartened, thought, I'll just put, I'll just put in a little time. I mean, I don't, this is not doing any good. Why should I keep trying? So I'll put in a little time, a little here, a little there, and I'll push but I won't push that hard. Finally, the man decided that instead of listening to the enemy, he should talk to the Lord. And so he said, Lord, I've labored long and hard in your service, and I put all my strength to what you have asked, and yet at this time, I've not budged that ginormous rock even a half millimeter. What's wrong, and why am I failing? And in compassion, the Lord replied, My child, when long ago I asked you to serve me and you said you would accept that, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all your strength, which you have done. I did not tell you that your task was to move the rock. Never once did I say I expected you to move it. Your task was to push And now you come to me and your strength is spent and you're thinking you have failed. But is that really so? Look at yourself. 
Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back is sinewed and brown. Your hands are calloused from the constant pressure. Your legs have become rock hard. Through opposition, you've grown much, and your abilities now surpass where you were. Yes, you haven't moved the rock, but your calling was to be obedient, to push, and to exercise faith. This you have done. Your task is to trust me. And I (laughs) will move the rock. This little made-up story reminds me of how often we evaluate our lives thinking we have failed. That we are no good. That compared to everybody else, we don't make a difference. I want us to look with fresh eyes at our lives, and I want to try to do it from the Lord's perspective. And to help us do that, I want to rely on an ancient ceremony that unless you're Jewish, you have probably not experienced before. It's called the Havdalah. Anybody? There's a few Christians who have done this, right? Sort of in the vein of Passover, in the vein of... Last week, we talked about the Sabbath and how when the Sabbath ends... We didn't talk about the ending. We talked about the no working, right? 24 hours, right? But here's where the Sabbath ends. The Sabbath ends, right, begins sundown Friday, ends, we would think sundown Saturday, but it really ends in that Saturday evening when three stars can be seen in the sky stars and so a Jewish family would go outside and look for the three stars and when they saw them they would return in or perhaps do the ceremony outside and the ceremony would involve three things it would involve a cup with the fruit of the vine the ceremony would involve a spice box which you have at your tables And the ceremony would involve a candle. And this is called a, a Havdalah candle. It has, I can't quite tell, four, five, or six wicks. We'll find out shortly. I wanted to make this simple for you, and we needed them to go and stand so you have one wick, one candle. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you very quickly through the ceremony, and we're going to talk about some things. Is that fair? Good. Good. The, Samar- the ceremony would begin with the reading Perhaps from Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. And then there would be a blessing over the wine. So I want you to take the wine. I want you to hold it up. They would recite, Blessed are you, Lord, our God. Sovereign of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Don't drink it yet. Someone would pick up the spice box, and perhaps they would pass it around. And I believe it has cinnamon and cloves, so if you're allergic, please, please don't. But if you're, if you're all right, take it and smell a little bit of the spices. Smells nice, doesn't it? Yeah. I smelled it before church. I didn't have an asthma attack. I thought that was a good sign. We're bringing our senses to the table. In a moment, we will taste the fruit of the vine. We're smelling deeply of what God has done in our Sabbath. Someone would utter this prayer, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, sovereign of the universe who creates the variety of spices. And there's very much a sense that the spices come from the work of the land. 
And as they pass around the box, they are reminded of the sweetness of the Sabbath, of that sacred time of play, of rest, awakening them to the workday that would be to come. And then someone would recite these words, Blessed are you, Lord, our God. I recognize I'm Christian. I'm saying the name of the Lord. They would not. Sovereign of the universe who creates the light of fire. And in that, the braided candle is held high. So I'm going to ask you to light your candles, if you will. And if it gets a little difficult with the matches, I have the modern. <laughs> yes, I have six wicks to light. I thought, I thought the, for some things we can be modern. And the light of the candle reminds us that the first element created by God in the beginning was light and that actually the process of lighting the candle is the first act of work to be done at the beginning of the week and so often even in the family people would bring their hands near the light you know what she got it all right we're good each member of the family might bring their fingernails or their hand close by and they'd see the shadow moving on their hand or they'd see the reflection of the light in their fingernails. And this light represents the light by which we now work with our hands as our hands go back into the world as the Sabbath ends. It reminds us that we take the light with us as we go. That's quite a light. <laughs> now you understand why they use this candle. <coughs> yeah, I've got a little dripped out here. I've got juice, I've got wax. Yes, as long as I don't. And so in this little short ceremony, a fourth and final blessing in Shabbat and ushers in a new work week and someone would pray, blessed are you, Lord, our God, sovereign of the universe, who separates between sacred and secular, between the holy and the profane, between the sacred and the ordinary, between the seventh day and the six days of labor. And then everyone would drink of the vine. And then often the candle would be extinguished in this manner. I'm so glad that worked. <laughs> it could have wasn't one. And then often they would take the rest or at least some of the wine and they would spill it to mark the pouring out and the end of the Sabbath. So this is a simple Jewish ceremony that many Jews today still practice at the end of every Sabbath. It reminds them that they carry with them the light of God into the work that they do and that the work that they do feeds 
what they do is they separate on the Sabbath, that they are reminded of the difference, again, between the sacred and the ordinary, the holy and the profane, the sacred and the secular. And I think the senses really engage well with this, the taste, the smell, the sight. And so I want to ask three questions. And I'm going to give them to you now, and then I'm going to go back and prompt you for discussion. The three questions are this, and I want to bring a Christian perspective to this exercise. After all, the, the, the body and the blood are symbolic, right? Unless you're Catholic. And so these elements for us, I think, provide good symbols as well. The drink leads us to ask the question, what do we need to drink deeply of? What have we drunk deeply of? In the... So they would ask this about the Sabbath. I want you to ask it about the half a year behind and the half a year to come. What was intoxicating so far for you this year? What do you want to continue to drink deeply of the rest of the year? Again, I'm going to give you all the questions now. We'll go back and I'll prompt those for discussion. Number two, in the light, they would ask, what is it that was illuminating so far this year? And what light do you want to carry with you as you go forward from here? And from the box of senses, they would ask or at least think about what turned you towards the scent of Christ this year. What in your experiences so far have smelled like Jesus to you? And in a lot of senses, what do you want to smell of Jesus to you? Where do you want your life to smell of Jesus in the half a year to come? To help you with this exercise a little bit in your in your handy-dandy little modern bulletins, I gave you a summary of some of the teachings that we've learned this year. That's not to say that your answers to any of these questions would come from my sermons. But there is a collective sense that the Lord is collectively teaching us something. I highlighted just a few. You might remember we began the year with faith, that faith is how I'll go forward. We're not looking back there's no going back to 2019. That faith is the perspective change I need. We talked about prayer in the middle of the year, that my prayers are often too small because I forget both the greatness of God and the greatness of His grace. On Easter, we said the real answer to all of my issues and my insecurities is a new identity, that I am loved by Jesus, that the cross is how I know I'm loved and the resurrection is how I know it's all real. When we spoke of grace, not long after that, we said grace must reach below the surface in order to change my life above the surface. There was a study we did in 2 Corinthians 12. We talked about how we need to stop pretending, that we need brutal self-honesty, that real strength is found not in pretending, but in admitting my weakness, learning to lean on Christ. And there was a message as we began Soul Care 2.0, where we talked about how Jesus is inviting me, in fact, I said it as we began today, to live every single day as if my entire life truly depends on him, because it does. So at your tables, I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to discuss, and if you're at home and watching online, maybe in your family or whomever you're with, and if you're not with someone, maybe online in the chat. to ask these three questions. Let's begin with the first one. What was it that was intoxicating so far? This is the drink. Intoxicating so far for you this year. And what do you want to continue to drink deeply of the rest of the year? I'll give you a few minutes. We're in no hurry here, but there is lunch after this, by the way.
It's beautiful to hear the community happening, to hear the sharing happening. And, and honestly, I don't really want to rush this along. But at the same time, I realize that um, at some point we will smell the smell of hamburgers and hot dogs. And somehow it will be my fault if we take too long. So I want you to move on to the second question. I want you to think of the candle and the light. And particularly, you saw the brightness of this candle, the way the wicks together created an even bigger light. I want you to think, what are the sources that have created the light of God in my life? What was illuminating so far for you this year? And what light do you want to carry to others in the rest of the year to come? The light.
So it's so, it's so intoxicating for me to listen to you because, because it's the sound of love and it's the sound of grace and it's the sound of community, which is such a beautiful thing. And, and the great thing is if you want to keep answering those questions, we're having lunch. Maybe in a minute I'll tell you what the beef and the dog symbol. So here's the third question. And the third question is about aroma. Shortly we will smell the aroma of... Yeah. Which just reminds us of sacrifice, right? I mean, think about the, the ancient sacrifices. It would have had... But as we think about the aroma of the spice box and the sweet smell of God's work in our life, I would ask you, what turned you towards the scent of Christ this year? And what has smelled like Jesus to you? Maybe personally or maybe in our experience as a church communally. What has smelled of Jesus to you? So take a few more minutes and uh, then I'm going to close this out. I, I believe we're singing one more song, right? Yeah, yeah, one more song. So take a few more minutes. We'll sing again.
right. That was pretty good conversation. As, as I told many of you, you guys have smelled of Jesus to me this year. It's a beautiful thing. And as at least one table pointed out, we didn't set off any smoke alarms smelling of Jesus today. Yeah. So we're going to come back. A team's going to come back, and we're going we're gonna to sing a closing song. I'm going to pray before we do that. Jesus, I thank you for the intoxicating aspect of community, for the light that other people and your work in other people bring to our lives. I thank you for the many different devotions or groups or events or activities or worship services we've been able to have as a community that, that remind us to be the light to each other, to be the smell of Jesus to each other, to taste of Jesus to each other. And I pray that in these next six months that we think deeply about how to take the smell and the taste and the light of Jesus to our community. And so, Lord, give us eyes for those around us and give us eyes and noses <clears throat> to look for what you're doing in other people's lives. Help us to join you in that to let our good deeds shine before others that they may glorify you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We good? <clears throat>